You're listening to the world-famous White Roof Radio with cast number 606, recorded on September 29th, 2016. Tonight brought to you by CravenSpeed.com, MotoringStripes.com, and OutMotoring.com. Mini performance, speed, and style. It's OutMotoring.com. And happy National Podcast Day tomorrow. And happy <sighs> National Coffee Day today. Yeah, tomorrow it's, we're going to have... Uh, it's, it's like hypercaffeum spasinate. <laughs> it's a coffee made by the descendants. Okay, it's going to be an interesting show. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it, hey, everybody. It's DB in Arizona bringing you a brand new episode of the world famous White Roof Radio. Um, we haven't been here for a while. We uh, White Roof Radio headquarters in Arizona had to relocate, so we were off schedule a bit. We expect to be back on track here uh, now. With us this evening, as always, my good friend Todd Pearson, MotoringStripes.com. Todd, say hi. I'm here. I'm sorry. I'm wiping the, the drool off my face because I'm watching the uh, video intro of the new Civic Type R at the Paris Auto Show. Very nice. Uh, also joining us this evening, it's going to be an odd <laughs> show tonight, guys, let me tell you. Uh, the good reverend, of course, is here, Mr. Chad Miller, Detroit Tune, DetroitTune.com. And also, how about a quick congratulations to Mr. Chad for actually purchasing a new shop for Detroit Tune. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, it'll get there All eventually, right. but uh, we are now with uh, five weddings under our belt. Oh, nice. You'll nice. only see four on the site, but there's five down. It's coming Excellent. soon. And, of course, uh, Alex is joining us as well. Alex? Hey, Alex, talking to you through the cyber, as uh, people say now. <laughs> Be careful, Alex. Be careful, because I hear, I hear cyber is very, very tough. Yeah, cyber is tough. Cyber is tough, let me tell you. Actually, I think it's the the cyber. plugged in through your watch. The cyber. You gain a whole bunch of weight, and all of a sudden you're 400 pounds sitting on your bed, are you? (laughs) No? Do not. Oh, my God, that debate was so funny. This beat about the cyber, like, I don't know if you read it. I think, like, The Verge made, like, just a transcript of it. It's, like, pure gold. It's (laughs) it's amazing. It's like a freaking speaking spell, just just vomited (laughs) words is what it is. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was just amazing. We try not to get political on here, but seriously, this is just too too golden. Too (laughs) golden. Anyway, we're not here talking about the, the politics. Just we're not here talking about things. We're talking about me, Cooper, stuff for you on a whatever night this is, like we like to do. Uh, I would like to direct your attention at this particular moment in time to your podcast player application or uh, iTunes window or whiterefreedia.com show notes. And I'd like you to visit and check out this week's featured image by our, our man Steve Kerrigan. Uh, we've got a picture here. It's 2014 Cooper S Roadster with JCW exterior and interior stuff, which is named Red Raven, and is a 2015 Countryman S named Clifford. Thanks for sending that in, Steve. Uh, if you guys want your picture featured on an episode of White Roof Radio, super simple. All you do, upload it to Facebook or do an at reply to us on Instagram or Twitter. We'll make that happen. It's not a contest. I'm just going to like find one and go, oh, that's pretty rad. I'll use that one. And you know Sweet. what? I could start doing. I could make that the album art for the show. Oh, I do it. I do it automatically. That happens on the host. Uh, so, like, if, if you open up a, an episode of White Roof Radio, like in Overcast, you'll see that the show art for six oh whatever the last show, which was six hundred and five, was uh, Gary's Roadster. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, Steve, congratulations! And again, if you want your uh, mini or minis featured on a short for White Roof Radio. Uh, upload the image. Make it a high res image for me, too, guys. Don't upload something you took with like a BlackBerry tour back in, you know, 2002. Um, give me something high res. Upload it to Facebook, or like I said, do an at reply to us on Twitter at White Roof Radio or on Instagram at White Roof Radio, and uh, it'll just make it happen. It'll be really, really cool. Anyway, let's move on. Um, we're going to talk about Mini Cooper stuff tonight. We're going to have Alex tell us about his experience driving a GP2 versus his uh, F56 JCW, right, Alex? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. We are going to talk about the latest mini that is now available, which, of course, would be the JCW Clubman. It's going to be available. It was announced it's going to be available in a couple months. And uh, we've got some tips and stuff to talk about because the weather's changing, so we're going to talk a little about tires as well. We're going to get to all that here in just a minute, gang. Before we do, let's remind you guys about one of the fine sponsors here underneath the white roof. And uh, that, of course, you know, our friends over at motoring.com. We love these guys. I want you to go check them out, too, because Aaron just spent a bunch of time. They redid the website. It's kind of the same, but it's new. It's really clean. It's really nice. You can see testimonials on the side, all the stuff. Very, very awesome things. And then when you're there checking out the new site, I want you to remember to go ahead and sign up for the email newsletter because when you do that, you get the emails from outmotoring.com that tell you that, oh, hey, by the way, here's your 5% discount code that you can use anytime you place an order at outmotoring.com. Super awesome. Don't forget, to almost every time you place an order that's over $195, Shipping's covered. Aaron just goes, oh, you know, I'll ship that for you. Done and done. Right? Super nice. We love these guys. And also, you know, we love Aaron because he's been sponsoring White Roof Radio practically since the beginning. I'd have to go back. But I want to say since, like, show 50 or something. It's been forever. And he's OG sponsor over at MotoringFile.com. I mean, Aaron's – and I think he still sponsors North American Motoring. And I think he sponsors uh, – the what's the other message board? Uh, Nathan's um, – help me on Motoring Lines? Motoring Lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a sponsor of all the things, man. He's trying, he's doing what he can to keep the community up and running, keep it vibrant, keep you guys covered with really cool stuff and good parts for your car. Uh, 30,000 new items added to his shop every month as well. And not just like the go fast bits or the cool interior pieces, but like all the DIY pieces, all the little fiddly clips for the body panels and um, anything that you need for your mini. You're looking through the Hayes manual, try to figure out how to do a repair uh, and you need a specific part. You don't want to have to, go to the parts desk you'd rather do something you know to help the community go over to out motoring aaron's going to have that part for you if you pull up the part number at real-oem.com he will have it if he doesn't have it he will get it for you too sweet that of course our friend over at out motoring outmotoring.com many performance speed and i have closed the tab that's uh, outmotoring.com <laughs> but you know you need one. Oh yeah whatever it is i just saw you you, you need it you don't have it and you have to have it i'm just saying Go over there and buy, just buy it, please. Here, side marker, side marker lights. If you got a first gen car, you need those anyway. Just go get them. They're cheap. Somebody, somebody's knocked them off in a parking lot. Some car wash, or that's you've got a first <laughs> no, gen. No, we don't place. use car washes. Right. Okay. Um, and, oh, I just anyway, they're, they're old. Go fix them. <laughs> Maestro, if you please. Boom. The big news. And the news really that anybody cares about would be um, that coming very, very soon to a mini near you, mini dealership near you, would be the 2017 mini JCW Clubman. JCW Clubman. Which is – it's really funny and, uh, and I guess ironic, although it's not so much as it used to be because we got to say that the, the Clubman seems to be selling really well. Although mm-hmm. this is just a backtrack a little bit last month, one of the, the last time we talked about sales – we talked mm-hmm. about how well the Clubman was doing, and we got a couple of responses from people. Uh, our buddy John in Philly was one of them, and then a couple other people told us the same thing. Was at the end of, uh, I guess it was at the end of August, many had a push for uh, like friends and family, you know, dealership leases, a really, you know, smoking deal on a lease for a Clubman um, <clears throat> in the month of August, and it had to be out of like dealership stock and yada, 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 all these things. 
But that was a push to do it. And I will respond to that now saying that can't be responsible for all of the sales because out of 100 dealers, I mean, that might be – at if I'm being generous, three or 400 cars out of 1,500. And to me, that's not enough to spike and, and you know, go, oh, well, those are wildly off. I don't think it's – you know, yeah, 20% if that. And like I said, I think that's being generous. Um, mm-hmm. Alex, did you remember reading that? And what were what are you guys' thoughts on – do you think that would spike it enough to make it – I still think it's going to be um, a big difference over, you know, over the hard top, even without that, even if you take and, and delete those deals. Oh, yeah, I think so. Just because it's – I mean, it's doing so well now because everybody, like we've already mentioned, is everybody, they all, oh, we want a smaller car, but you really don't. You want the bigger cars, and that's what people are buying. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely uh, uh, part of that. It was still selling well. And so anyway, my whole point is this, is that it's a little ironic that um, everybody's making such a big deal over the JCW Clubman because it's going to be one of the most expensive minis ever. Uh, Mm -hmm. DB, did you just build one online? Uh, base price thirty five one hundred. By the time you add paint, you're looking at thirty six four fifty. I haven't gone any further, but I'm guessing this is going to round out to be about f- between forty three and forty five, depending on your configuration. I did one night. Well, there's a lot that's standard on this car now. Um, that's really good. Midnight, dude. It, midnight black on this car looks hot. Yep, it is. It is a, a good look. In fact, since, mid, it's since most- I'm going through the configurator now, since I'm, since we're talking about it, and the only metallic paints you get are gray, silver, silver gray, or black. Yeah. Well, and I'm not, and I'm not kidding. Gray. Thunder gray is. Uh, you get moonwalk gray, moonwalk white gray, silver, metallic. midnight black, melting silver, or thunder gray. There is no colored metallic paint for the JCW. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very like, limited. Yeah. And if you want a color, you get chili red. You get Rebel Green, which is still a $1,000 option on this car, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lapis Luxury Blue, also a $1,000 option on this car. So I, I would uh, I would say something, uh, you mm-hmm. know, in uh, – like I, I, I mean, most people that listen to the show know that we're big fans of Rebel Green. Uh, you know, after living with it like for like four months now, I would, I would, I would probably not order it if I had mm-hmm. to do it all over again. What would you? Uh, the reason being is that the paint is very fragile. Like it's, it's like it's insane. Like I've never had like a paint like this, and uh, I don't know if it's because mini is being cheap or whatever. But I mean, like the, like the smallest scratch. It's like you, there is no. I mean, I don't know how many codes there are on this, but you get right to. You know, I have a scratch on my bumper. Uh, you get actually right to the bumper. Uh, and usually, you know, there is like an undercoat or something, but it's like, it's, and again, I don't think, you know, someone slammed into my car, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a scratch and it's, and it's very visible. And so I think like the, I don't know what is the process behind the paint. I don't know if it's like, it's very expensive to do. If they are just doing this because they are, you know, they want to price it out to, to make it very exclusive or, or something like that. But it's not – I don't think it's a very good paint. I mean, I don't know. It's my well, experience. And I, I will say working on the cars, uh, you know, touching the paint of uh, hundreds of cars a month. And I will say this, especially the darker colors are very, very, very easy to scratch. And I always yeah. comment uh, to the guys that um, you just look at black paint on a mini and you scratch it. Like literally mm-hmm. if you touch it with your fingerprint – you can leave a scratch in the surface. Now, those go away. They're not permanent. And this is what I'll tell you, Alex, is 
it's not permanent. If you get yourself some uh, some mild polishing compound and uh, you use that a couple of times, you can take most of those scratches out and or reduce them 90%, I, I would think, unless the color has changed enough to where you see primer or metal underneath it. Then you're kind of screwed. You need to use some touch-up paint. But yeah, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, yeah, yeah. but how many times do you have to do that, though? I mean, it's uh, yeah, you got to do it pretty regularly. I mean, these things scratch right. up pretty good. And here's the here's the one thing: if you get a good polish, like you can take it to a deal, detail shop, and they'll buff the whole car out and everything, and put a good coat of wax on it. And in fact, I'm a big proponent now. If you want to keep your car nice and you have a, a dark color like this, Alex, I would recommend one of the ceramic coatings. Now, that's going to cost you a few hundred to maybe a thousand dollars to do a ceramic coating on the car, which is going to keep it from doing that for a long time. But it's very expensive, but it's not just minis that are susceptible to this. Most new car paints are so soft that just running your hand across it is enough to leave scratches. You don't notice it in lighter colors. And um, that's the thing, too, is lighter colors look cleaner, and you don't notice the scratches and the imperfections like you do. And, DB, I'm sure you notice every little bitty scratch on your green car. Mm -hmm. Um I notice them somewhat on the chili red, but the chili red reflects light in a way to where you don't see them. But the we, I also have a black uh, Roadster that literally this thing, you know, I'll polish it, and then a couple of days later, it's like, holy crap, where did all those scratches come from? It's There's not a whole lot you can do with a dark color car. Yeah, yeah you know, you also are going to notice it uh, more when it's brand new, when it's yeah. completely... Then after you wash it two or three times, then everything kind of starts to get very uniformed. Yeah. So you're going to notice it right away when it's brand new. Yeah. So anyway. So I just finished building my JCW Clubman all four. It's another thing about this car. It's only available in all four. That's correct. So you get the extra weight. Um, And I'm right at 40 grand, $40,100 with the standard transmission. Bump that up to seven by 1750. So it'd be roughly 40. It'd be 41, 41, 8, 42 grand with the automatic. I actually think DB, that's pretty darn close to to what I ended up with this. And And, and, And this is not a low spec car. I mean, I put I it's just loaded. started clicking, it's and loaded. I've got, you know, I put in the, uh, I, I did black with a red roof just because, um, LED lamps, because that comes on it. Standard. Uh, standard. I did the, I added, I changed the interior to the burgundy interior because there's no red, so I thought that'd be nice as it would be an all black. Tech package. And I, and I added the tech package. Mm-hmm. So with all that, you get like backup camera. Backup camera's standard on that now. Uh, so is, uh, yeah. um, uh, what I want to say, Comfort Access comes with that. Um, it also includes wireless device charging. Yep, yep, which is pretty interesting. And the big news mm. with the tech package is Apple CarPlay with the touchscreen. Nice. It is not um, written out specifically in the specifications. However, the all of the photographs, the press photographs show mm-hmm. the touchscreen display, which is basically the same thing that's been in the 7 Series. It's coming down the X lines of BMWs, and it's filtering very quickly into um, the, the lower lines of BMWs also. Mm, so it's, it's, it. probably, it's probably CarPlay. It's just that uh, the UI doesn't look like CarPlay. No. It's not Apple's UI. It's like mini UI. I mean, it's mini connected slash, uh, not mini connected. Uh, yeah, mini connected yeah, yeah. slash iDrive UI, right? Yeah, yeah. It really is. And it's basically showing the input of, of let's say you're doing navigation and you're putting in an address. 
And the only yeah, way. Yeah. So if you use if you use Mini Connected, you still have like the touch interface. But I'm guessing like Apple uh, CarPlay will be like an option available on the main on the main screen. Right. Right. Uh, so, sort of like a dual boot type of a thing. It's like, oh, what do you want? Do you want to use the Mini system? Or do you use the Apple system? Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's what yeah. it is. So it, it's it's it as an option. Like if you on on a Golf, like it's uh it's like you see like the main screen, and so you have every you have every you have like one icon like for every feature of the. Of their infotainment system, and then you have one more icon for uh, for uh, Apple CarPlay. Yeah. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Very cool. So um, that's so that'll be big nice. news on that. Annoying. And the question is, is how many of these are they uh, really going to sell? Because JCW JCW Clubbins. Well, yeah, because mm-hmm. forty grand, I think it's all quite a few. JCWs in general are are fairly limited, and they don't sell a whole lot of these, and they still don't break them out in sales numbers. And I think that's because they sell so few of them. Right. But, uh, oh, like I said, drive, 228 horsepower, 258 foot pounds of torque, zero to 60 and six seconds flat, 147 mile per hour top speed with a weight of 3,450 pounds. I don't know. It's pretty amazing specifications. And basically yeah, this, back. this car is way more loaded than, than even my hard top is for about the same price. Yet. Mm-hmm. Then I realize I'm like, Oh, I got $5,000 worth of other options between my, the the mm-hmm. JCW Pro exhaust and the suspension and body kit and those two combined. Oh. Well, this comes yeah. with basically the same JCW right. the aero kit for that. But those two options alone on my car, and then throw in the carbon fiber bonnet scoop, I have five thousand mm-hmm. dollars worth of options. You know, so basically, it seems like a pretty good deal on this car. I um, think so. A pretty good value for for what it is. I don't. I don't for think a it's JCW either. car. I mean, and like I said, I just built one, and it's not stripped. Forty grand. Yeah, I don't think that's too bad. Cool. And I mean, Alex looks at it too and goes, "That's that's how much his hard top was just about." You know, it seems comparatively right. speaking like a good deal. I think. Right, especially because you're getting the clubman and you're getting all four. Yeah, I'm yeah. Not, sounds like a good deal. Which and that's the other thing that happened uh, while we were out is uh, Mini announced that you'll be able to get the Clubman in all four uh, with all four equipment on the Cooper S and JCW models only. And did right? we? It's funny. It's funny the uh, the value that we give to uh, technology like Interior Tech, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because all of a sudden you're like, well, this is you know this is way more stuff for the same price. And uh, it's really not that much. I mean, it's, no, it's, it's not. You know, wireless charging, meh. Okay. Uh, but like CarPlay, yes, that's like for me that's a, that's a big thing. But it's 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 funny. It's like those little things that make the car to your eyes like so much more valuable. It's interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, I, <laughs> I'm kind of torn one way or another when I look at it, and I go, that's still a lot of uh, accessories. And then I realized when I thought about the fact that I've got two two options on my car are like five grand. I finally realized I have more. Uh, options on my car than I think uh, DB's entire car cost. I think I have. I think I have a le- I have eleven thousand. At least what I paid for it. Yeah, I have uh, probably over eleven thousand dollars worth of options on my car. Wow, that's roughly what I paid for my used two thousand eight R fifty six. I know that's, a, yeah, that's but that's just like a fun weekend in Vegas for Todd. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. It's 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 a lot of money for options. But you know what? Just look at any car on the market today, and you're like, yeah, all the advertised prices that you see everywhere on advertising is fine. But you can pretty much add six to ten grand to just about anything, um, and realize that's how much more the car is actually going to cost you once you put things on it that you want. Yeah, that's true. 
You got a point yeah. there. I just think yeah. that's the way it is. That's just the way of the world right now. So, anyway. Yeah, so I'm, yeah, I, I'm you know, people the... always ask me when they're trying to build cars out, and I was like, you know, buy it exactly the way you would want it because for you to try and do it later, it's either not going to be possible or it's going to cost you way more money later, and now you can wrap it up in your payments. Stop looking at that bottom line. Just order it the way you want it. Be happy with it. Enjoy it. And I'll tell you that. That is, mm-hmm. that is 100% gospel that Chad speaks because I bought my car, did not order it. It was already you know, done and, and got a good deal on it. And I kick myself every day I get into the car that it doesn't have comfort access. I, f- I hate yep. that with a passion that I have to reach into my pocket and press a button to open my doors and I have to. So maybe, okay, here, maybe, I can, maybe I can, uh, I can like, uh, diminish your, uh, your, uh, disappointment. Okay. The, the very annoying thing, and I, I know it can be fixed with coding. The very annoying thing is that when you get out of the car, you have to, and if you don't open the, if you just open the door, right, and then you close the door, you have to press like the button multiple times oh, they, before it closes the car. They already fixed that, Alex. Yours is the last car that did that. <laughs> they, oh, yes. Yeah. Wow. So that's, that's great. So, so yeah, they did fix then. Yeah, they they already fixed that, and the new cars don't do that anymore. They've actually been reprogrammed to where you get out and you press the button once, and the car locks. So yes, that is a complaint. And 2016 was the last year that uh, that. Comfort access was like that. Now it works like you think it would work. However, let me let me tell you guys this. I found a glitch in the mini this past week, mm-hmm. and I'll explain this scenario, and you guys tell me if you think it's it's odd. Um, so I come home and and uh, I have a a lawn tractor that I mow my lawn with, and one of the tires was low. It gets cold, and so the tire started going flat. And I have a twelve volt compressor that's really easy, and so I thought, okay, I'll just put this in the mini. You know, plug the air compressor in, air up this this tiny little tire. It'll take a couple of minutes, right? So I open mm-hmm. the passenger door of my Mini. I plug it in. I turn on the accessories to get a little power to the the adapter there. I air up the tire to the tractor. Great. Everything's good. I reach in. I unplug it. I turn off the the car, and I close the door, and I go inside. I come out four hours later, mm-hmm. and my headlights are on. The headlights are on, and the dash lights in the car are on. They're still on. And uh, I found a glitch, and then I verified that this is a glitch not only with minis, but also with BMWs, and it's been this way for years, and they've never fixed it. And that is if you get in the passenger side, and Alex, you can try this on your car sometime. Just um, unlock your car and open the passenger door, and uh, turn on the accessories to do something. Turn them off, close the passenger door, and walk away. You can come back hours later, and your headlights and dash lights will still be on. Um, That's very annoying. Yep. Yeah. Even if the car is locked and the key is nowhere near it, the headlights are going to stay on. And it's a glitch in the software. And the only thing you can do what, what turns it off is if you the, – the sensor is in the driver's door. The driver's door has to be opened and closed. As soon as I reach to my driver's door and opened it, the headlights go off instantly. Now – they will go off before it runs the battery down. When the battery reaches a certain voltage, it drains it enough. And it's going to take a while because all the new lighting in these cars are LED, so they draw you know, lower amps out of the battery than they used to. So your battery's not going to run down, probably not even if they're on all day. But I said this is not an inconceivable scenario that, say, I'm, gonna get in, I'm getting ready to go out of town. Okay, and uh, the car service is coming to take me to the airport, and I realize, hey, I forgot my sunglasses in my car. I open the passenger door, I get in, I got to do something to my car. I do this, I shut the door, I leave for t- I leave town for a week, and I come back, and my battery's dead 
because the headlights have been on this whole time. That is a conceivable scenario, is it not? Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Right? Right? I think it is ridiculous that this is still a problem, and BMWs do the same thing. And if you have an F56, I don't know if it does it on the R cars. I haven't tried it on the Roadster yet, but I know for sure that this is a replicable scenario in the F generation cars. It's ter- it's ridiculous. It's so dumb. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. my, I discovered that technical glitch. <clears throat> Speaking of technical glitches and CarPlay, let's move on to those of us who've upgraded our Apple devices to the latest operating system, iOS mm. 10. Which I have. And attempted to use it uh, with our cars, with our minis. Which I have not because I don't have. Which I have. Alex I was the first uh, one to complain. I have the connected stuff. Alex was the first one to complain. And Alex, you thought it was a, an iPhone 7 problem, right? Yeah, I thought it was an iPhone 7 problem. And then obviously I thought about it like you know a couple hours later. And obviously it was an iOS 10 thing. And so I experienced the same thing as uh, what you described on the Slack channel. Um, basically, like start the car and you... So at the beginning, I didn't think it was like an iPhone, uh, an iOS 10 glitch because... Uh, I had like difficulties accessing iTunes, uh, I, uh, Apple Music, right? So I thought maybe it was a connection error on one specific song. So sometimes it happens because Apple Music, as you all know, is not the greatest thing. Uh, but then as as I was, you know, I was shopping around doing stuff, uh, running errands, um, you know, get in and get out of the car. Like it works like for the first like five minutes and then it shuts off. Right. Like Bluetooth uh, streaming like shuts off. And then you have to connect it with the USB cable for it to work. And again, it doesn't always work. Sometimes you have to do it several times, which is really annoying. Um, and I think Apple, like I, as I think there was actually, I'm pretty sure, in fact, that there was an update release. I think it's uh, 10.0.2 uh, was released with uh, fixes for Bluetooth. Uh, the reason I haven't installed it is because it's also <laughs> they've opened the gap, like a security hole, uh, with this update in regards to um, iCloud Drive password or something. I mean, something related to that. It's your back. So I haven't updated it, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's a real fix or if it's just if it's still outstanding. So I would have to check it out. I'm waiting on 10.0.3 to uh, to make the update. Yeah. So anyway, if you've got an iPhone, if you updated the latest operating system, basically the point is you're going to have you you may or may not have problems with audio streaming, and then I've also got problems with plugging the phone in to a USB cable, and I used to do that all the time because I've got a lovely dock in my car, um, the mm-hmm. CUDA USA K U D A USA dot com uh, dock where my phone plugs in, it locks into place, and it's charged and it's also wired to the car, right? And so. Usually it would start playing the music, but remember where I was, you know, even two, three days later, everything's great. As soon as I updated the new iOS, nothing. I had to go in and force it to play, and even then I had to go to the phone and start the music from there. Like, the, the car wouldn't even recognize that it was connected to, you know, any sort of music player. So That's this weird. was inconvenient at best. And then you couldn't change tracks from the car. Like, the car didn't recognize it was connected even though the phone shows up in the in the dash that hey you're connected to Todd's iPhone, um, mm-hmm. it wouldn't do anything. It 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 you know not like it used to just automatically recognize. It would go to your playlists. It was gorgeous. And so mm-hmm. this is a glitch. We're waiting for an update for this. So if you're having problems, welcome to the club. Um, 
<laughs> maybe don't update to iOS 10 if you haven't yet and you use your your phone and your mini for right. connectivity. Now that being said, I didn't have any problems with the phone itself. Like uh, I made and received phone calls with no issues. The car. It, you know. I've been hearing people have trouble with like the alarm function. Yeah, I have not had any issues. Although it's the it's the sleep. No function. trouble with my phone. It's the if you here's the here's the problem with the alarms is if you set on iOS and we'll probably cut this out of the show. If you go and say here I want to sleep these hours and wake me up at this time, yes. um, that's what's not working for people. Is the, oh that that actually didn't work for me for a little bit until I figured out you actually have to turn it on. Ah okay. And, to make sure that the that the that you've got it set under options for the right days of the week, because <laughs> it's because I had I'm going. Why didn't the thing work? I'm looking at it, looking at it. It's like, oh, I have it set to go off on Saturday and Sunday, not on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, it's supposed to tell you when to go to bed and when to get up. And yeah, it plays like a it plays like the first chorus of uh, "Rockabye Baby" or something. Yeah. So and it's like that's your reminder to go to bed, and then it gently plays your alarm starting at the time you specify. So anyway, we're all hoping that when Apple CarPlay becomes part, you know, becomes a standard feature, and this looks like that they're probably going to roll it out into the LCI, the uh, Lifecycle Impulse, which is coming end of next year, in the rest right. of the mini line. So here's hoping it's going to roll a little faster. And this is something Gabe talked about six months ago. He goes, it's going to be in the LCI, don't worry. It's going to be fast. They're going to change it. And Alex and I both balked at that because we're like, it means all new hardware. Well... It's evident that they're done with that because yeah. the, maybe, maybe they'll be able to retro it into your guys' cars. The hardware that's in the Clubman is the exact same hardware that there's in the hardtop. Oh, well, then there you go. So it's the same size. It's no different in size or anything. Maybe it's got different internals. So. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I do. Um, I was just reminded of something else I wanted to bring up right there at that particular moment in time. Now I forgot what it was. Crap. <laughs> hey, NBC is re, is uh, making a TV show of the Italian What's job. That? No. That's, <laughs> that's that's uh, big news. Right. It's going it's going to be it. <laughs> That's not that important. You know what is funny uh during the whole uh, uh comfort access section, I was going to bring up that we get calls all the time for people it's like you know, the back doors, they just won't lock. I was like, well, what kind of car do you got? And like, it's a clubbing or a, a boot handle or whatever. And they're like, I'm like, do you have comfort access? And they're like, yeah. All you have I'm to like, do is be close to it and it unlocks. I'm like, just take the keys out of the pocket once the car is locked and then see if you can't open it. Because they're like, it just won't lock. It'll never lock. I was like, well, you, you touched it. That's, a you opened it. that's the deceiving thing about the clubman is that um, the boot – and it's the same way with the boot latch on – if you have comfort access on either a hardtop or a coupe or a roadster, um, yep. all you have to do is be close to the boot and open it. You don't have to press a button like you do on the rest of the car. Yep. And just, it just opens. What's interesting is it doesn't unlock the rest of the car. It just yep. unlocks just those. Boot. And if you close it, it locks back up. It's locked again. But those people who are complaining, Chad, they don't know that. They think their car no. is unlocked when it's really not. It's the fact that yep. they've got the key in their pocket. And it's it just, just that little bit of it. And I've gotten three of those calls this year. I, I blame the salespeople for that. But I 100% do, too. I don't necessarily blame them you know, 100% because a lot of these people are buying their cars second and third hand. And they never got the full delivery. And even then, the the people don't understand. Like, they don't go through every single thing like that for comfort access. So. 
we had a lady that was going to bring her car from all the way from New York to have us look at it to get a second opinion. And she's going through every 1,400 miles, now 1,400 miles, four and a half quarts or what? more what? of oil. What? Yes. What? My God. Yes. Is there no plug in it? There's no oil plug in the bottom? No drain <laughs> no, plug? No, nope. she's, she's just burning it like a mofo right now. That is not within spec. <laughs> We're just going to say, I know it's uh, yeah. crazy, but that is way out of spec. <laughs> yeah, well, it's out of warranty, so pff, too bad, right? Where's the oil going is the question. <laughs> it's uh, There have been multiple times she's taken the deal. She's had two timing chains already put in the car because of major clatter, quote-unquote. And, uh, you know, every time they come in, it's like, well, you don't have any oil in the car. And they put five full quarts of oil in the car, and it fills it up. Wow. Wow. And oh. I'll tell you, she's not the only person that I've seen this happen to. What, so, what, I mean, what year is her car? Do you remember? Oh, God. It's a 2012. Okay. So, and this goes along with, I said this a few weeks ago, and we'll just do an update because I verified this now, is that 2012 and newer minis... Um, have changed the weight of oil that's recommended in it. It used to be 5W30, and it's been 5W30 right. since the beginning, since 2002. And now it's there's a, a, a memo that all cars since 2012 um, in the R engine, I would say, what was the what was the engine in that, the latest engine, the N18, N14, N18? Uh, N18 on the S, okay. yes. So that would be, they're changing that to a zero-weight oil, a 0W30. Okay, and that includes the Countryman. So that is all minis from 2012 to, you know, whatever. It, with the exception, uh, and that includes the F56, with the exception of the JCW, which is a zero weight 20, uh, a zero W20 motor oil um, for the JCW. This is new and different, and Mini also changed the recommended brand of oil. It used to say Castrol is recommended. Now they've moved to Pennzoil. Okay. Mm. And it's just, you know. They it's make it's these, whoever pays them more money. Than right. They make those those agreements, you know, on a corporate level. But they've moved to Pennzoil as the recommended uh, lubricant, if you will. It's not really oil. It's all synthetic. And right. they've changed the weight. You, you, so. said, you said lube. <laughs> so anyway, I want people to look and, and think about this. It's not going to make – you're not going to kill your car if you put 5W30 in it again. And Nope. The difference here is that the zero-weight oil is more beneficial to people like Chad and I uh, who live in places that gets really freaking cold, okay? Right. Because the viscosity at really cold temperatures, it stays thin, the oil. The zero-weight oil is going to stay. This is as basic as that I can explain this. It's going to perform more watery. It's going to perform better at cold temperatures because at the, the higher number, the 30 number, means that's the viscosity at 100 degrees Celsius – which is what two hundred and twelve degrees Fahrenheit. Um, that uh, you know, it's all the same at that hot temperature, so you're okay there. It's just the lower end. But latest research says people like DB in Arizona, who don't have such fluctuations, will benefit from a zero weight oil. Also, right. So. I want to know. I want to meet the the engineer that's like, you know what? We are having major engine failures because they don't have oil pressure right at startup. Yeah, and that's the thing too is, is because it's like no, that lady doesn't have any oil in her engine. That's yeah. kind of the problem. Well, that's part of it too. But at at start, where, where did it go? At cold start, <laughs> basically, like Chad said, at cold start is when it's very important that the viscosity of the oil runs and flows. And I think the zero weight oil. So barring even whatever temperature, because even in Arizona, when it's a hundred degrees and the car is cold, the oil is cold. 
Okay, it is not up to temperature, so it, uh, it's still a cold start. And the zero weight is going to help there because it's thinner, and it's going to flow better through the engine and going to, you know, hopefully make it last longer. Like Chad said, some engineer somewhere figured, you know what? I think maybe we should switch to zero weight oil because this will help the longevity of these engines. We won't have to replace so many engines. And my curiosity is why did they choose to do it just on 2012 and higher? Is it potentially because those are the engines that could still be under warranty and extended warranty and anything before that? Totally gone. Even extended warranties are out of, you know, like a 2011. Even with a six-year warranty, they're going to be out of warranty. Yeah. I don't know. That's my wild tinfoil hat speculation on that. But needless to say, your uh, weight of oil has changed. And if you have a 2012 or newer car, there's a a memo or or a bulletin. If you take your car in, they're going to change the sticker on it, and you're not even going to know it. So lift, yeah. lift up your bond yeah, and I'll be a picture. I wonder if, uh, you know, some of these, because obviously, you know, I see what cars come in to my shop all the time. And I can say, you you know, we service a lot of our 53s. We service our 56s. We don't see a lot of our 60s, even though they're out there. We service, you know, this and that. I wonder if the dealer also sees that trend where they're like, okay, well, we haven't serviced any cars past 2009, 10 in you know in bulk. Yeah, we get a few sevens and sixes and a few other these and that's. But they see the years of the cars that are being serviced all the time, and they base their recommendation on these bulletins based on a year break where they just say, "Hey, let's do this." Versus you know A being warranty, B being a new model engine, which would have actually started in 2011, or what they just see all the time and based on service and they're like okay well we're seeing a lot of 12s a few 11s and everything up past 12 let's do it from 12 on you know i don't know i just uh we're just speculating here interesting to see what they actually would base it on you know because you know a power steering pump and a 2005 and a 2006 to me are exactly the same they're the same part numbers but you know from 2002 to 2005 they replaced all the power steering pumps in the gen 1 cars but not 2006 or 2007 and 8 convertibles. They even extended the warranty on those, Chad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they've, they've, well, I mean, not on those other particular cars, but there it's a federal recall on everybody else. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, there it is. There it is. Uh, a lot of oil viscosity talking, lube. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's take a minute really quick. I want to remind you guys about one more sponsor here underneath the white roof. Before we let Alex uh, talk about his experience between the GP2 and his JCW, uh, and, of course, our friends over at Craven Speed, CravenSpeed.com, also with the newly redesigned website and also with the newly built uh, page with all of their smiling, gleaming faces there. You can go over there and check it out. That's over cravenspeed.com, and you'll see a thing that says, uh, you know, meet the team. Click on that. Very cool stuff. You get to meet everybody. And then when you're done, you go over and you order yourself a dipstick if you've got a first or second gen mini. You want the platypus license plate mount because you don't want to drill holes in your bumper. Done. You want the stubby antenna. You want the flex pod adapter. You have an R53, and you want the uh, pulley. Boom. Done and done. Just go over to cravenspeed.com. You can get all that taken care of. When you place an order at cravenspeed.com, what's really cool is you can leave an 
comment there on the order form. And I'd like you, if you could, it'd be really awesome if you could put, thanks for supporting White Roof Radio. We really appreciate when you guys do that. So do they, they, of course, being our friends over at Cravenspeed, cravenspeed.com. Go check them out, please. And thank you. And thank you. Alex. <clears throat> yeah. You, so, are, you are hanging out uh, with our friend Sean from the yes. Motor Trend Audio podcast. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and you and him uh, went on a little bit of a like a mini group drive of sorts because Sean, Sean uh, as most of you probably remember, has a GP2, second generation uh, JCW GP, and Alex has a Z56. And I'm understanding, Alex, that you guys swapped cars. Yeah, yeah. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. So Sean has a has a friend that is uh, that is being really really nice to him because he, he lets him like use a use part of his space to actually park his car because in, in parking in the city. Um, is 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 like very almost impossible, and especially when Sean already has two other cars in his parking garage, so he needed another spot. And it's nice because it's it's outside of the city, so it's a little bit of a drive. It's actually a fun drive. Uh, so we got there, and I don't know for how long the the GP2 has been sitting there, but you know it's the make the noise of the the exhaust, you know, note of a car that has been starting in a while, and it's really nice. So um, we waited there for a couple. Uh, Couple minutes to uh, to let the mini warm up, and uh, you know I followed them on a on a little uh, trip, and then we switched cars, and so it was the uh, an opportunity for him to drive the JCW F56, which he never has done before, and for me to drive the GP2, which also I never had done before, surprisingly. Uh, the only GP that I've driven was uh, Todd's before he um, he, he sold it uh, to buy the, the JCW. Um, and so my impression, so the way I like to do it is like from obviously outside to inside and, and top to bottom. So uh, obviously you guys know the, the the size between the two cars is much different. Um, the JCW, the GP like sits obviously lower than the uh, than the JCW because they, I think the it's equipped with uh, JCW coilovers as opposed to the F56, which I mean Todd actually has the same suspension, I think. Um, what else? You know, there's the real spoiler on the on the GP2. You don't have this. It's an option on the JCW. The exhaust sounds much better than on my car, um, and the color like is is hold up like really well. Like it's a, it's a bit unfortunate that they made it non-exclusive because it got released for the for the F56. But uh, no, it's a really nice color. Holds up very well. Um, and the, the wheels are, are great also. I like the fact that they are kind of nondescript because they are actually matte wheels. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, they don't have the shine of the JCW wheels, uh, of the F56 JCW wheels. So I like the wheels on the, on the GP2. Mm. Um, so on the inside, you know, like it's, I, I gotta, I gotta say like the seats are really nice. But all, all around, like the F56 is a better car on the inside. There is no, I don't think there is any comparison with, you know, possible on this front. Um, what I like though is that it's, it's, it's a quiet, you know, it's quiet, uh, even though it's not as luxurious as, a, as an M56, it's like it's quieter, uh, probably because uh, Sean doesn't have the sunroof. Uh, so that's like the comparison between the interior and the, uh, and the exterior. As far as the driving goes, um, it is a car. Well, first of all, it is much better because it has proper tires. So that's like that's a huge difference. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a regular tires. I mean, it's kind of a sport. I mean, it's, I think it's more advanced sports tire than like regular sports tire, but it's like actual. You know, it's a, a standard tires as as opposed to round flats, right? 
the 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 steering wheel is very direct um and it's uh and it's great because i mean it's very direct and it also feels better um and it's it's kind of the same feel i mean it feels better and how do i say this uh heavier which is nice because it feels like you're actually driving the car and even, and even when you put the uh, the F56 on the sports mode, like it's still not as as um, heavy as as the GP2. So that's how it felt. Um, and again, when you when you turn the wheel left and right, it's way more direct than the than the JCW, which is uh, which is great. Um, the on the, on acceleration, let me try to remember this. On acceleration, I think it's a. Uh, it is like it's it's very similar. Um, okay. It's very similar, but I prefer the engine sound of the JCW because okay. uh, I think it sounds great, man, even though there's a little bit of a fakery going on there. Uh, it still sounds better, I think. Uh, and and you can see also that um, I think the I think there's a difference in power delivery between the two. I forgot exactly what it was. It's been a month almost since I tested it, but it sounded to me like. You know, you have to work the JP2 a bit more than the JCW. Granted, the two cars are a generation apart, so that's I think it's kind of expected. Mm-hmm. Um, the and the red line, gear, but... the red line, the red line is a thousand RPMs apart between those two. The the GP2 red line's at like seven thousand RPMs, and our new JCW's red line at six thousand RPMs. Yeah, I think so, you're right. I yeah, the right. gearing yeah, yeah. It, it feels different for that. And it, it, like you said, it probably feels like you're getting more out of it or having to work it a little bit harder, the GP2, than you do the new JCW. But it, that's just yeah. a perspective thing because of the, the length of those gears. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think the last thing is the um, gearbox. So, you know, I, I, I have an automatic on my JCW. Uh, Sean, obviously, they only did it like with manual the GP2. The mm-hmm. gearbox is so much better than the than the gear, than the manual gearbox on the F56. I mean, there is no. I think it went from from best to worst, like over over generation, right? It was great on the R53. It was you know still great on the uh, which ironically, it's the, ironically, it's the exact same gearbox, Alex. Yeah, I know, but like the the <laughs> on the on the F56, it's so much lighter, and the engagement point is so much higher. And I don't like it, and I, I I don't like it. It's too light, and also it it seems a little bit. It seems it seems like the gear ratios are a bit longer on the uh, F56 than they are on the GP2. Yeah, it it um, does. I agree. I agree because like I'm driving those two gearboxes back to back between my Roadster and the and the JCW. So I I get what you're saying, and I kind of agree with it. Yeah, and uh, so overall, I mean, it's I mean, overall, it's an amazing car. It's a it's it's a great car. Is it a car that I would drive every day? Uh, I I don't know. Like it's it's always it's it's like the the comparison with the the Cayman GD4. Like is it is it an everyday car? Like I'm not sure. Like it's it's a lot of a car. And it's a little bit wasted driving it every day as opposed to like the car that I'm currently driving now. That's my first like takeaway. And mm-hmm. the second takeaway is how much. Uh, I mean they can't do much to the. They're not gonna do much to the GP3 if they come up with the GP3, except for making the exhaust that Todd. I mean basically Todd's car. Is the GP3 like I, I don't know what else they're gonna do to it honestly? Maybe exchanging the making aside from putting better tires and uh, maybe smaller wheels. I really don't know what they're gonna do to it because it's it's like if you look at the GP2, it's pretty much the same cars, Todd's yeah. and uh, and GP2, right? Yeah. So uh, I I really don't know what they're gonna do with it. I they'd have to boost something. They'd have to boost suspension of some sort or you know 
special body Donald, kit. Donald already has the JCW suspension, so yeah, that's the but... thing. That's like he has pretty much like everything you would, pretty much everything you find in the GP2. Todd has it. Those pro coilovers. Now my coilovers don't have the. Uh, basically, in the in the other car, they they uh, amounted the struts upside down. Um, for for rebound and and for play, so it's gonna feel a little bit different. But you drove both my car and the GP2, and they do feel remarkably the same as far as the suspension setup goes. Now, the one thing I would say you didn't talk about, Alex, tell me what you thought of the brakes in the GP2 compared to your car. Oh, they're better. They're better than my car. Oh yeah, um, I would agree with that too. Well, well, let me let me tell you how. I mean, in what way they're better? I think. Um, I think the I think the stopping power I feel like the stopping power is the same, but like the the direction right like the the steering wheel they feel like we're more direct than on my car, and also you know uh, I, I think it's not a fair comparison because I've been complaining about my brakes like forever right. since I got the car, um, so that's one thing like to to be great my brakes have to be warmed up. And on the GP2, like they don't necessarily need to be like they're way more direct. Well, the GP2 uh, brakes so are, yeah. are they're larger, and there's one more uh, piston in those brakes than there is in actually two, one on each side. They're they're uh, six pot brakes as opposed to ours, which are four pot, Alex. And they're larger. There's more surface area on the GP2 brakes than there is slightly more. It's not mm-hmm. a lot, but there is slightly more. So. As far as braking power goes, and everybody I've talked to, I, I have two or three friends here locally who have GP2s now, and um, they say the brakes are overkill in that car, like literally overkill. They will, if you step on them too hard, it puts you through the windshield. It, it's too much stopping power. And it yeah, is, but yeah, everybody I know here in Arizona who's got a GP2, they would not say that because those guys out here are actually taking us to the track. Well, no, I think it's exactly the thing, Debia, is it's perfect yeah. for the track because you want that stopping power because you want to slow the car down going into a corner. You want to be able to go as deep as possible before you use those brakes, and then when you step on them, you want them to work. And that is – it's perfect. It is a track car. I think yes. what they've done with the new ones on, on mine and Alex JCWs is they've toned them back a bit, and they work, and they're more of a feathered feel. Like you've got to stand on them a little bit more to get that kind of braking out of it, but they still work. Okay. Gotcha. There's also um, one other thing, and and uh, it just popped into my mind when uh, you mentioned like you know entering like into a corner and stuff. Uh, when when I t- like I haven't had a chance like to drive your car like to s- almost like the limit, uh, Todd. But when you take the when you take JCW, the one that I have now, and so without like the JCW callovers and the GP2 on the ramp, like on the, you know, on the ramp that is actually turning, like a highway ramp, uh-huh. like the car stays flat. Like the GP2 is flat and that's really nice. It's really, really nice. Uh, it's, you're going at full speed and it's flat. When the, there is like, there is noticeable roll, um, body roll with the, uh, with the F56. Uh, yes. It's partly due to the tire. It's partly due to the suspensions. But the GP2 is was flat, and it was that. I think that's the thing that I like the most about the car. So, Alex, do you have the adaptive suspension or just a sport suspension? No, a sport suspension. Yeah, I didn't take the adaptive because okay. it's a waste of money. So it is a little, little higher. Yeah, and it's not as, uh, it's not as stiff as a sport suspension. But I would say that the pro suspension, the JCW Pro, the coilovers are on there, and Chad can speak to this. It's the difference between a sport suspension and coilovers is that you can take an on ramp at 80 miles an hour in the corner, and the car flattens out, and it grips the road. I mean, with a good, yeah. with good enough tires, 
that really makes a difference in that kind of a scenario. You can speed through the corners. You can increase your speed quite a bit because you don't feel that body roll and you're getting out of control on the inside. Okay? Now, Chad's favorite mod that he tells people to do a lot of times also, which will help in this, is a rear sway bar. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, mm, we love rear sway bars. Yeah, that'll best, help. Best we thing do. ever. Yep, that'll help quite a bit. And the combination of rear sway bars and a little bit lowered suspension is like the intermediate step towards full-on coilovers, dropping it, and making this thing, you know, dialing it in. I think those are your kind of three steps towards that. Am I close, Chad? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I always start everybody with a rear sway bar. I mean, that's right. the best single best suspension mod that you can do right there. And then when it go but, more, um, you go springs, right? Yeah, springs or coilovers, dropping the car down a little bit. Uh, it kind of, you know, I, I always talk to the customers and kind of feel out what they want because I don't always want to just put people in coilovers. And right. I actually was joking around with my girlfriend tonight because I was like, maybe we'll just put you in a coilover. She's like, you always say you don't need them. I was like, well, you don't. You don't. You really don't need all of the extra tuning. You don't need all of the extra suspension. You don't need all of that. A lot of times, extra cost because there's corner balancing and there's a lot of things that you need to do to the car to make sure it's set up. Not to, to mention, be it, safe. It makes the ride rough as hell. <laughs> it it can. It can. Yeah. And that's where you know a lot of times when people are like, I want to lower the car. I want to get rid of wheel gap. I want to do this. It's like, okay, just go with a set of springs. You'll be fine. But, uh, you know, always start with a sway bar. I mean, that's by far the best single suspension thing to do. Um, and then get rid of the run flats. I mean, those things suck like mm. nobody's business. So. Um, but every customer is different in how they want their car to be. Yeah. So I always love talking to customers and say, okay, what do you want? What do you want on the car? It's like, okay, then this is what will really make you happy versus – You'll notice this, but you won't maybe notice it for all it is because you're so focused on the other thing. So, right. so Alex, I want to hear now. You you drove my GP1 um, last year when you were in town, and then you got to drive the GP2. Which one did you like better? I like the GP1 better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think because when you when you again like the, the, it doesn't take anything away from the GP2, right? It's right. Uh, it's a great car all around. It's probably like my second favorite mini after the after the GP1. Um, but when you get to that kind of car, you're basically expecting like rawness 24/7, right? Mm-hmm. And the GP1 has more rawness than the GP2. That's just what it is. That's just what it is. Like that's how that's you know it's the fact that it's a generation apart. That's the how it was built uh, versus the the GP2, which is really like engineering. Like it's, I think there hasn't been so much engineering going into a mini. Um, and that's and also the just you know the engine sound is amazing. I mean that's a, the whole difference between the supercharger and the turbocharger, right? Yeah. So yeah, for that for all of that, like the GP1, no no comparison. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, Alex. Thanks for uh, finally giving us, you know, your take on that because that's—I think it's an important thing for people to hear, especially the performance guys, a GP2 compared to the new JCW, and then, like I say, throw in the GP1, which you got to drive mine last year before I got rid of it. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. that and is don't awesome. forget, Alex, we're still looking for a picture of your car. Yes, I will get it cleaned up this week because it has been like 10 days uh, on the parking airport, so it's full of dust. Mm. So I'll get it cleaned like this this weekend and uh, send you guys a picture. That's awesome. Get yourself some polishing compound and get rid of those scratches too. There you yeah, go. yeah, I'm going to try to do that. Go to AutoZone, man. They've got it. There you go. They got it. Uh, yep. They have a Semic Wires product that Todd likes so much. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Um, Definitely. Finishing off, 
finishing off, it is uh, we are getting closer to the end of the year, and it means that the temperatures are dropping, which means what? That bing. means everybody's tire pressure monitor light is going off, and then it sounds like, bing, I got flat tire. Ah, oh, what do I do? What do I do? And usually this time of the year, can I say, it's it's either one or it's all of them. And uh, I can speak from the F56 generation. Mine, when they went off, all four went off. And the nice thing about the F car, if you've got the screen, which from now on everybody does, it'll tell you the exact tire pressure. And Yikes, what did I do? Sorry, that was okay. me. It'll tell you the exact tire pressure, and all my tires dropped exactly 6 PSI per tire. So I knew it was okay. It was just the temperature. But so that's how you know. Like if all of your tire lights go off at once, don't freak out. Don't get scared. It's just that the temperature dropped enough to, you know, drop the PSI on those. So It is nice to hear that the new F cars actually tell you what the temp or the, the actual air pressure is in each tire. They do. They do. Versus just having to guess, being like, okay, I got a flat. Which one is it? Or well, and now the where art- they really stepped it up to be like, okay, well, here's a little diagram of your car, and they give you an arrow to show right. it, but it doesn't really tell you how much. Is it a well. pound, or is it two pounds, or is it 10 pounds? Because, you know, you're traveling 60 miles an hour on a freeway, and all of a sudden that light goes off. It throws panic in your, you know, you grip the steering wheel a little harder, going, oh, God, what am I going to do? <laughs> oh, crap, I got a flat. Look, yeah. Yeah, you mm. can actually look at it and be like, oh, well, it's only 42 and everybody else is at 43 or or whatever, you know, example. And uh, be like, okay, well, now it's down to 41, 40, 39. Okay, I have a problem. I need to find an exit right away, you know, so – that is kind of nice to see to hear that that's actually come out to the new cars. Yeah, and it's very accurate. I've taken and I was curious one day, and I looked and I I had the car checked uh, all the tire pressures, and then I got out my uh, my nice tire gauge. I've got a cheap one. I've got a nice one, and I checked it, and it was exact. Like it told me the point the to the tenth, Chad. It's not just um, a whole tire pressure. It tells you you've got forty two point three psi, and it is spot on. It is. That's- it I is. mean, really, and that technology has been out for years because my parents' 2003 Corvette has it. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of new cars, I'm just being informed that, you know, a lot of new cars are having this too. So, I mean, is it me being a little late to the game with this or did they just finally, it's like, oh, okay, now it's finally cheap enough that we can just throw it in because one it's word part for of you. the car. I have know? one word for you, Chad, premium. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a premium auto, yeah. That's what I hear. It's premium. So no. really quick, let's, let's remind everybody how to actually disable or not disable, how to reset that light for those of you who don't know. If you've got an R50 and R53, which means you've well, got you a you just You go to the dealer, right? You just you let them do it. it. <laughs> if you have a Mini Cooper that was built between 2002 and 2006 with a hard top and 2000, rah, 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 eight or eight with the convertible? Nine yes, with the convertible? It was a, yeah, eight was, eight was the end of the convertibles, yeah. That's right. Eight with the convertible. Then you're... Uh, tire reset light is your reset light button is underneath the emergency brake in the yeah. dead center of the car and you have a hard time pressing it because it's going to be caked with like soda gunk and fry dye and fry salt well, and, the, button is. and in the late in the db it changed in 05 they moved it it's over to the side but it's it's uh, under your uh, e-brake it's right there but right. don't just it's reset it. It's still going to be caked in fry salt. and yes, so fry salt. Right. Yes, it's it always is. full of fry salt. And, and Diet Coke spilled and coffee and, and whatever else. But, yeah, don't, exactly. but don't look for that until you 
actually pull the the valve stem caps off and check your tire pressure and then yes I actually do check your tire pressure first but chad how do you uh, how do you reset it in the first generation cars once you've once you've taken yep. all it off and you've aired everything up to proper pressures which yep. rule of thumb for me 17 inch tires this is just ballpark 38 pounds is is yeah. perfect yeah, 36 to 38 is usually going to be your good air pressures. There's always going to be a sticker on the inside of your driver's door panel. Um, as soon as you open the door on the body side, there's always a sticker in there that tells you, you know, hey, if you have this size tire, this is what we're going to recommend. So that's what you do. Um, on the Gen 1 cars, you're going to go up to the, the little uh, washer stock, and you're going to, you know, flip the button through the little uh, piece. Mm-hmm. On some of them, or you're going to hold and press the the run flat button on the other cars to actually until it stops flashing at you and go solid, and then you're going to drive for a mile, two miles. Sometimes you know it will never go off. You actually have to turn the car off, turn it back on. Every car is a little bit different, but no, most of the time you have to hold the button and uh, wait to, to go solid, then you keep driving, and then it goes, okay, yep, I know, I see this new pressure, thanks, I relearned, we're good to go. And the, right. e- the easiest way in, uh, in all the generations, if you have the nav screen, because then you just go to the car setting, you go to car, and uh, you can reset it from there, because there's, you know, scroll Yeah, and all the, all the Gen 2 cars, yeah. It's so easy to do that, and it's the same on the F56, but the... The Gen 2 car, I had to do this um, just today in the Roadster. And it's not the most intuitive. You have to press and hold. The, you have to scroll through the stock on the nope. on the. Uh, no, the Gen signal. 2 cars, you're scrolling through the stock, and you're, you get you're to set looking info. for a, a set. particular setting to be like, okay, where's my my information? And then you find the run-flat symbol, and you press and hold, and then it says resetting, and you press and hold again. And you kind of go through. So you're, you're right. It's, it's not very intuitive, and it really doesn't make sense. And uh, we've had multiple customers that come and say, hey, you know, I've done this multiple times. I won't do it. And I just do it. And I was like, I drive it. And, it, nope, it worked. You just didn't hold the right amount of times or, or something. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's all working now. You know, let and us it, know if you have a problem. And It takes a while of driving, too. Down, it, so. It's not going to go yeah. away instantly. And in none of the cars it does. You have to drive for a little while. And, in fact... The uh, the newest cars, the F56 generation from 2014 on, it takes even longer. Sometimes it takes, uh, f- you know, three, four miles before this goes. And depending on how fast you're going, that could be a, quite a while. It could be, you know, five, ten minutes of driving before they finally reset. The nice thing is, is the car will tell you the percentage. It starts counting up and tell you, I'm 30% there. I'm 60% there. And so you don't have to sit and wonder, did it really work? Because it tells you. And um, the other nice thing is, is in the in the newest, latest mini generation, is uh, it. Uh, I found this also to be true. If you air them up to the, to the proper pressure, sometimes they will reset themselves automatically because it'll know, oh, I'm back to the back to the proper pressure and it's gone away on its own for me um without yeah. without having to go through the manual reset of it and a um, little uh little trick as far as like wondering whether or not a reset is usually the difference of the lights flashing at you versus the light is being solid if the, if the light is solid it's usually relearning itself versus flashing at you that means it's like there's a problem that's why i don't know what i'm doing you know like stop you know figure something out type of type of instance but uh, yeah you're right i mean it can take two three sometimes four miles for those type of things to reset but on average 
I would say a mile and a half on and, average. And it's always possible that you could have a bad sensor or the battery goes bad at one of the uh, the tire sensors. Because and, and that's the case where you check the tire pressure and it go it doesn't go away and you know the tire pressure is fine but it's still throwing an error. They also communicate via radio signal to the car, and um, you know they'll it, you know if it loses that signal for whatever reason there's a malfunction, it won't reset. So there are some instances where yeah. it, it doesn't work for you, but hey, if ever in question, open the manual or search. Search Google. There's a lot of YouTube videos out there that that show you exactly how to do it. It's easy for us to explain it, but sometimes watching somebody do it on a video and be able to watch it three or four times, it makes a, it a lot easier. Yeah, it really yep. does. So uh, Google's your friend. And I'll tell you, we we've, we've been seeing a lot more of uh, the what they call an RDC, which is the run flat tire monitor sensors. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of more failures on the Gen two cars, uh, cars that not only are coming in with bad sensors. But bad antennas, bad modules, bad weird things, and like they just keep flashing it. We can, we never really can fix them. And I'm pretty sure there's and, two different one. There's two different sensors they used in the in yep. the second generation. So the 2007 yep. through 2013, pre-11 and post-11. Right, right. They uh, there's different sensors, and they're not compatible. So if you buy a set of wheels and tires from somebody, nope. and they're like, oh, it's already got sensors in it, realize. It may not work because nope. of of there's two different uh, uh, sensors there, and there's no real easy way of looking at. I'm going okay. I wonder if this yeah, sensor works. I mean, other than somebody who knows, it's like okay, like the pre ones are gray and square. The other ones are dark gray and round. You know, and you you know after you kind of look at them for a while, but if you buy a set of wheels and you have no idea. Yep, it's sensors. You're good to go, right? And they're, and they're not cheap. A, a set of four sensors is going to run you what 150, 180 bucks. Uh, probably closer to two, two ten. Yeah, yeah, so, expensive. So two because bucks. somebody somebody made a lot of money here one day, one of these days because they used to be able to have all of the valve stems because it's a special valve stem for your car reusable. Well, they're like, we're not selling enough valve stem. Why are we? You know, let's make it so that you can only use this valve stem once. <laughs> so if you have to actually take this valve stem off a wheel for whatever reason, you need a new sensor. Then the nut wastes itself on the end, and it basically screws up all of the threads on the actual uh, valve stem. There's fifty bucks. So for it sensor. makes you buy a new valve stem every single time. And no, they're cheap. I mean, they're a couple bucks. They're oh, okay. two, three, four bucks. Right. They're not. They're not expensive. But you have to buy new ones. Yeah. So, you know, it's a difference of selling $50,000 a year to, you know, $150,000 a year in sensors. I mean, it really, it's it's going to become, you know, big money for those guys. But, so. you know, I, I guess in one, and there's probably some statistics, some, some number cruncher somewhere who's talking about how much safer we are on the road that, you know, people know that they've got a flat tire or whatever. Although I bet I... I would theorize that there's a ton of people driving around with flat tire warning lights who do nothing about it, and those people yeah. should be smacked in the back of the head. Yeah, like and repeatedly, uh, repeatedly. I've I've read a lot of articles because you know I subscribe to all of the the magazine uh, trends for uh, you know the automotive world. I'm sure Todd, you get you know Vinyl Weekly or whatever. Yeah. You know, in at the shop, and and uh, you know we were reading some articles that's like. It's physically illegal for me to defeat right. a safety feature of your car. So if you want these particular tires and you want this and you want that, I legally have to make sure that you have sensors before and that that system works before you leave. Yeah. Now, you could do whatever you want, 
but I can't not offer you sensors because it's physically defeating a federally mandated, you know. So the way around uh, function that of the car. The way around that is to bring the wheels and tires to Chad and say, "I just need these tires mounted on wheels." And Chad doesn't know what car they're going on. He can legally right. get away with that and not put the sensors in it. And then you drive around with the light on all the time, which is or it happens. Or I can take my my special fancy dealer tool and just turn the light off permanently because <laughs> now it's an option on that tool. Yeah, but don't I, we don't. So recommend- is that against the law? Because now there's a dealer tech tool that says, "Hey, I can turn this light off." Yeah, we don't recommend. Hmm. Don't Who recommend knows? that. But you know. But yes, there are some places that can actually turn those lights off. Hey, but, I've had uh, I've had cars before, you know, minis that I drove that didn't have sensors in the tires because I'm like, these are winter tires. I can live for four months. I don't care. Right. DB, you're like that. You're uh, like, I got a set of aftermarket wheels and tires on this car that I didn't want to buy the sensors. I don't care. I've got the sensors. Uh, I put them in because it's going to cost me just as much to take them from the old wheels to put them in this as it did. On And never mind. Because you're, like yeah, you're like 40 bucks yeah. a tire to unmount and remount it with the sensors, right? And you're like, why would I right. do that until I need new tires? <laughs> right. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, it's a little bit premature, but because some of these customers had uh, some low treads on their tires, I've installed two sets of snow tires already this week. Hey, it's getting that time of year, man. I'm I'm shopping on yeah. Tire Rec right now. Can I tell you, Tire Rec does not. I'm still sell. watching for Mr. Peterson. He hasn't changed yet. No, no it's going to be Thanksgiving. It's, it's, it's a it's a little early. I mean, I I'm still like thinking I'll uh, run around in my car a little bit more, you know, yet this year, and you know, figure all that stuff out. But uh, another another month. See, Alex that, doesn't have no. to worry about that anymore. DB doesn't have to worry about that. I have to worry because they don't. Oh man, he's in San Francisco. They got some snow, right? They no, no, no. no. We don't get snow. No, we, go, we get something that is close to snow in color. It's very light. It's called sun. <laughs> <laughs> why, 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 should, why should you get snow this year? Oh, jeez. And, and here's my disappointment is that they do not make uh, winter tires in the size, the 18-inch that fit my car. Yeah, I mean... They don't. On I, used to have, I, mean, I used to have 18-inch on my BMW uh, that fit uh, but not, some uh, winter tires in 18-inch. Yeah, but not in the same size that fit the JCW. Oh, maybe not. Yeah, okay, okay. Yep, they just... No, tire Rack doesn't offer it, and then I'm just like, forget it. I'm going to put 17s on this. And then you have to buy the right kind of 17s that fit over the brakes, and then, you know, it's that. Yeah. You do this, you do this, and then all of a sudden, $4,000 later, you're poor. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff to, to really figure out. But you also have to remember that the money you're spending right now will last you three to four years. Right, right. In snow tires, so you have to take that cost, which is and just divide it be up. $1,500 ish. Right. Or so, and you have to divide that by X amount of days and stuff. And you're like, oh, God, I'm only spending 80 cents a day to have snow tires. Perfect. Done. You know, like, so it it really is a good investment to have the right tires for the right seasons when you need them. So, yeah, well, especially good. if you're anywhere, you know, in that uh, in the Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York. I'm DC area, you know, I mean, it, it makes sense to have the snow tires for two seasons. I so. use them about three and a half to four months out of the year. And they're not just, by the way, we say snow tires. They're actually winter tires because it is when the temperature drops below 50 degrees, you need these. You need these tires. Don't. It's not a convenience. You need these tires because chances are you've got performance tires on your car and you have no idea 
what it's going to be like, and you complain that my tar- car drives terrible in the snow. No, your tires drive terrible in the snow. <laughs> your your Mini is a genius in the snow, but you have the wrong shoes. Go buy That's yourself right. some new Ma- shoes. Remember, gang, that the Mini Cooper is really just a fancy premium little snowplow properly equipped. Absolutely. Speaking yeah. of uh, fancy tires, I actually have in my shop a set of very super low miles uh, those fancy uh, sticky tires that came on the GP2. Yeah. Uh, I got a set of those in my showroom right now with uh, super low miles, 300 bucks. For the set? Wow. For the set. Just, wow. the, just the tires. Does it, does it fit the Roadster because they're 17s? I also have the wheels, too, if somebody wanted those, too. Nah, I don't want so those. A little, little, more, little more expensive. <laughs> they're off a of GP2. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Nice. Nice. Uh, All right. right. Very cool. That's it. Show. Wrap. Detroit Tune. Go check it out. Time to taco this show up, baby. Yep. <laughs> On every street corner. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us uh, through the changes that we've been making <laughs> over here with basically me moving. <laughs> yes. Uh, I apologize for the delay in getting the shows made. We're trying to get back on schedule. Uh, but, you know, keep following us on Facebook. Keep following us on Instagram, Twitter, all the things. We'll keep posting up over there. Don't forget, if you want your show, if you want your car featured in an episode of the podcast, just upload it to our Facebook page or do an at reply to us at Twitter or Instagram, and uh, we'll make that happen. Super awesome. Uh, remember, to our friend, uh, Mr. Miller, if you like the words he says here on the show, which, I mean, we do, I want you to go check out DetroitTune.com if you're within – you know, a couple hours of his shop. He's your he's your mechanic anyway, um, and not, soon to be moving to a brand new fancy shop, giant fancy shop. So um, anyway, go over to DetroitTune.com. Buy yourself something nice, like one of those Detroit Tuned ladies T-shirts. Those are super nice. Or, they're, like 20, they're like twenty bucks. Or a rebuilt supercharger. Ooh, the uh, ever popular, world famous Detroit Tuned rebuilt supercharger. You, you can either get it from me or Aaron over at Mile Motor. There you go. Done and done. Or, you know, if you're looking for one other thing for your lady friend, one of the Harvey seatbelt uh, purses. Super nice. Yeah. Super awesome. All the ladies love that stuff. Anyway, go over to try to check it out. Please. Thank you very much. But this is the part of the show where I like to make the funny clicking sound, and then I say... Questions, comments, or concerns, go ahead and click back over to whiteroofradio.com. There you can leave us in the show notes. You can also email us feedback at whiteroofradio.com. But until next week, gang, this is DB. I'm done. Cheers. See ya. A bientôt.